When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of It's Always Game Day in Cleveland. Edition number two. Very excited. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. Got to tell you, we got good feedback for the first one, so I'm looking forward to the second one, Daryl. And if you like what you're hearing, remember to subscribe to the It's Always Game Day in Cleveland feed. Daryl, I want to start off with a story that uh, there's a lot of stuff that I don't think a lot of people know about. Um, and we can go back a little bit in time, and that's the beauty of this podcast, and talk a little bit about Hugh Jackson. I thought it was super interesting that the league like said, what are your claims? Uh, I don't think that they were tanking on purpose, and you weren't getting paid to lose games. And then uh, Pro Football Talk had the letter that came out from the attorneys from the Browns that went to Hugh Jackson, and it's just unbelievable. So, Daryl, when I say Hugh Jackson to you, what goes through your mind? Someone who completely and 100% lacks any credibility whatsoever. Uh, and that from day one that he walked in the door. I, I mean, no one oversold and underdelivered better than Hugh Jackson. And I always like to say that the one thing you have in this business, whether you're a reporter, whether you're a coach, whether you're an executive, is the C word, credibility. And Hugh Jackson continues to prove every time he opens his mouth that he has no credibility to the point of where the Browns had to basically send him a cease and desist letter to shut up because he signed agreements. Like, he's the king of airing grievances and playing the victim card. And I guess the thing that bothered me most, Andy, about the whole situation with him coming out with this nonsense after the Brian Flores lawsuit came out was the fact that he made himself a story and detracted from a legitimate complaint from Flores that he's you know Flores is trying to change the way the National Football League goes about hiring minority coaches and and trying to ensure that minority coaches have a uh, much cleaner path to elevate themselves up the coaching ranks and to get these jobs because it's very difficult as it's proven every year when the hiring cycles come through for these minority coaches to get these jobs. So Hugh Jackson took away from what Flores was trying to accomplish with his lawsuit by throwing out these false claims that the Browns were paying him bonuses to lose, similar to what Flores alleged the Miami Dolphins tried to offer him that that you know that hundred thousand uh, dollars per loss in the 2019 season. So my thing with Hugh Jackson is, dude just lacks credibility and needs to go away and stop complaining about his time in Cleveland. He was paid a ton of money, nearly twenty million dollars, not to win football games, to do very little. He was a pain in the backside in the building on a regular basis, and um, and, and just just this constant airing of grievances. And I kind of laughed when I read that letter from uh, you know the commissioner of Pro Football Talk 
published when the commissioner was like, I hope you're able to get over this sometime soon. <laughs> let's set the stage for the beginning of what was Hugh Jackson's career in Cleveland. Because let's not forget, when he came to the Browns, he was the biggest candidate that was out there. And you had a front office uh, that had been uh, – that had been spurned by other coaches. Remember right. Jim Harbaugh was going to come in and, um, you know, the the guys running the front office at the time, Lombardi, Banner, you know, they would sit and, I, I you know, you would hear stories about how these guys would argue with Jimmy Haslam about who they were going to bring in. They got left at the altar and ended up with Mike Pettin. And while I still think Mike Pettin wasn't a bad coach at all, I thought and I liked Mike Pettin's attitude towards things when he was here, the Haslam family felt like, you know, we've been left as the bridesmaid a couple times here while we've been ownership group, and we've got to figure out a way to bring in the coach that we want. So now you flash to Hugh Jackson, and when Hugh got the job, Daryl, do you not remember? They brought everybody in the building. Everybody that worked in Berea had to stand in the front office, in the front lot moment that Hugh Jackson got there, and the TV cameras were in there, and they paraded him on out like the president of the United States had just come through and that the Secret Service needed to be there because Hugh Jackson's here, baby. And it was a bad start and a bad beginning to what would be his not-so-good tenure in Cleveland. And, I mean, do you remember the feeling? Do you remember the day they brought him in? And, I mean, every – like, the front office was so uptight. People were like, oh, we got Hugh Jackson, we got Hugh Jackson, we got Hugh Jackson. And I'm like, um, it's just another coach. Come on. What, what, yeah. I mean, you're yeah, going to end up the, going through them in about a, you know, a year or two. Yeah, the employees were lined uh, on the staircase. Uh, it was like a yep. hero's welcome for him, right? He was the, given the, uh, the hero's welcome treatment. D. Haslam opened the door for Hugh Jackson, which I, I, I still remember that. Um, I'm a little old school. Guys are supposed to open the doors for the women. But D. Haslam opened the door for Hugh Jackson <laughs> as he's coming into the building. And everyone's applauding and, and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, you got the heroes welcome. But it it just it didn't last long because, obviously, the offseason came in March. And Sashi Brown began the, the roster deconstruction uh, cl to clear the books, to clear out the roster, begin the process of accumulating the draft picks. And that... And so for him to allege that the Browns and the Haslams were doing some nefarious things like giving him bonuses to lose games. Now, when you look at what Sports Illustrated laid out, because they actually had the, have the documents of the bonuses, but I'll just say this. You can't go on national TV and talk about how you don't know where bonus money is coming from because to me, you just sound like an idiot. I know where every dollar of my income comes from. I'm sure you know the same the same thing, right, Andy? You know where every dollar of your income Absolutely. is coming from, right? So yes. come on, man. The and lottery. Then it turns, I'm praying and then for the lottery every, every right. day. Yeah. And then it turns out that Hugh Jackson modified those bonuses, those bonus levels or uh, parameters, right? And in year three right. of those bonuses, he was if they won ten games, he was going to get a bonus. So he went two five and one in year three. Greg Williams went five and three. Uh, quick math. I was told there would be no math, but that's right. a ten win pace for Greg Williams. So that goal in year three was not unattainable 
for Hugh Jackson. So it's really hard for me to treat Hugh Jackson like he's this big, sympathetic figure because he was basically full of it from day number one. Darrell, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, this was the vibe I had about Hugh Jackson. Like I, I felt like the Haslam's felt like, again, they didn't want to fail at another head coach. Right. And they were willing, and, and they knew what was going on. They knew the fact that it's not tanking. It's just restructuring. And I know it's another way of saying, hey, we might not win. But just restructuring so that they could get draft picks, so that they could put themselves in a better position to be competitive in the AFC North. And that's what the league found, too. That's why there's no problems because of his allegations, and we've moved forward from this. But I really think that the Haslam's wanted this to work. So much so, I mean, how many coaches would have got, uh, got whacked after an 0-16 season or a 1-15 season? They were willing to go forward with him. And I, I really think that they did not want this to come to – obviously, they didn't want it to come to the ending that it did. But you want to talk about a guy that had every chance in the world. I mean, no other team is keeping a coach that went 1-15 and 0-16. And, and so I, I, I don't know if that – I'm sure the Haslam's learned a lot about, you know, just being owners because I thought it was interesting last summer they said we didn't really know what we were doing when we got the job. So I, I, I think that kind of laid the, the – framework out for the beginning I, I there were two things that really just drove me nuts about you and i'll be honest with you i don't have the venom that i think a lot of people do towards you but um there are two quick stories and i'll tell them real fast one i was in a production meeting for a preseason game and i just remember Hugh saying deshaun kaiser is our franchise quarterback yep and i'm like why would you do that to this kid that was wrong that was just straight wrong, especially because Brock Osweiler was still on the roster, and Brock clearly was a better quarterback, and Desha- and Kaiser just needed to learn. I mean, they absolutely crushed that kid's career. That's one, and I'll give you another story, because I know you I, – I can't wait, because you want to stick – right? Story time's coming up, right, Daryl? Yeah, we, we, we got a few stories. We're going to take you behind the scenes so that, and really paint the picture of – why Hugh Jackson 100% is full of it and lacks any credibility whatsoever, and just why his time with the Browns was the epic disaster and failure that it was beyond just what the front office was doing as far as that four-year plan, which, oh, by the way, standard operating procedure for teams that are rebuilding. Standard year, standard going with a four-year plan. So we'll lay it all out for you as to why Hugh Jackson was just a complete and utter failure with the Browns. All right, Daryl's going to spill the tea when we come back. I can't wait for this. Hey, if you like what you're hearing, remember to subscribe to the It's Always Game Day in Cleveland feed. Remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.